Good morning. Good morning, dear Christown Chicks. Thank you so much for letting me uh, share with you today. I've been given the assignment of a very important topic. It's one that I think touches all of us in some way, uh, sometimes uh, more for some than others, sometimes a season of it. Um, and it's in, in my mind, it's important. And my goal today is to encourage you on the topic of depression. And um, we are living in a dark time in history. There are many difficulties. There's um, lots of worldwide turmoil. And our God, if we're born again, is the God of all hope. I love that Romans 15, 13, one of our foundational scriptures at Christown. Now, may the God of all hope fill you with peace and joy as you trust in him so that you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so God wants us. He is a God of hope and he wants us to be people who have real hope. Let's start. Well, first I need to pray. So if you'll bow with me, Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your mercies that are new every day. Father, just um, use uh, your words to encourage, Lord, each one. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to start with Romans 15, verse 4. And this is what it says. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. More than the God of all hope and living in us, also the scriptures, um, his word that will abide forever. So the word for here means truly or um, therefore, um, whatever was written at the point where this was written would have been the Old Testament. And for us today, praise the Lord, it's all of it. All of scripture was written for our instruction. And girls, we all need to be instructed. And I think all the days of our life. Um, and the purpose is so that through perseverance, and that word means steadfast, constancy. In the New Testament, it is characteristic of a person who is not swerved from the deliberate purpose or from a deliberate purpose by even the greatest sufferings and trials. I love that definition right out of Strong's Concordance. The, uh, um, perseverance is the characteristic of a person who's not swerved from deliberate purpose by even the greatest suffering and trials. And we don't hear a lot about it, not a lot of teaching. I We are hearing more about it because I think it's um, something we are facing more and more, um, which is suffering. Suffering is definitely to be part of the Christian life. It just is. There are many scriptures that um, support that statement. And I'll just uh, <clears throat> remind you of one. It says, uh, scripture says in the New Testament, uh, here's a promise. If you seek to live godly, you will suffer persecution that can come in many forms. It can be open hostility. And of course, in my mind, the worst case scenario is that um, visual we all had. Oh, I'm, I'm guessing it was seven or eight years ago. And it was, um, I believe in Libya and the men in dressed in Jordan uh, orange jumpsuits and they were next to a body of water. <clears throat> and I believe they were on their knees and their executioners who stood one behind each man dressed in black from head to toe. And um, I believe they were asking them to renounce Christ and um, or lose their lives. And they did not. They 
uh, persevered through that and they did lose their life here on on earth so that would be the one very very difficult level of persecution and you know girls that type of persecution is going on in other parts of the world right now every single day there are believers that leave live under that kind of duress and of course here in america on the other end we might be accused of hate speech we might be canceled and there might be repercussions that go with that but in terms of that spectrum, we're much definitely on the other end, but it is part of our life and that's one part of suffering. So let's go back to Romans 15, four. The word of God was written to teach us, uh, to instruct us with doctrine, with principles, and also to give us examples of people who did and did not follow God's teaching. And I would like us to consider a few of these today. You have a workshop um, there or it's attached also to this lesson entitled People of the Bible Who Experienced Depression. And girls, in my mind, this is just a basic um, teaching on depression with a few examples. And I hope you'll take it and um, begin to do your own work and add to this because I think there are many, many other examples um, to add to this to help um, impress it on our hearts and minds. The worksheet includes uh, who the people were, what were the causes and what were the results of the, the depression and then God's solutions. So I'd like today to start with Moses. As you know, uh, Moses is the person God selected to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt where they were um, persecuted and under terrible slavery um, to uh, take the children of Israel to the promised land. And you can read about it in Exodus and uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and of course, we all love the book of Joshua. And it's an important part of history. Um, I encourage you to go back and read some of this. And I wanted to focus mainly today on the book of Numbers. The first 10 chapters of Numbers record preparations necessary, and they were extensive for Israel prior to entering the land of Canaan. It included detailed instructions regarding the tabernacle, the arrangement of the whole camp, the organization of the priesthood, very specific instructions as to how the tabernacle would be set up, taken down, and even how they were to travel with it, and how they were to travel, and when they were to travel, and then the first observation of the Passover in the wilderness. And then starting in Numbers 10, verse 11, it records that now it's 13 months after the exodus from Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage, really, to begin a march toward uh, the promised land of Canaan. And uh, Numbers uh, 1033, thus they set out from the Mount of the Lord three, three days journey with the Ark of the Covenant journeying in front of them uh, to set out to a resting place for them. And uh, Numbers 11, 1, says now the people became like those who complain of adversity uh, kind of stop as you're reading through that huh they became they had become like those who complain of adversity in the hearing of the lord and when the, the lord heard it his anger was kindled and if you will remember these were the people who saw firsthand amazing miracles they saw all of the plagues um, when Pharaoh would not let them go, including the last one, which was devastating as um, the uh, firstborn of Egypt 
were killed because they would not, Pharaoh would not uh, bend or yield to the true and the living God. And the children of Israel saw their children passed over and um, also some of the plagues, they were also passed over. They saw all this. It was only, and also the parting of the Red Sea. And that was not a little small body of water, uh, you know, like a creek or a river. It was in the Red Sea and the parting of that. And it says, scripture says they walked on dry land. I mean, one miracle after another. And then they saw God move and the water returned to its place. And the Egyptian army was destroyed and drowned uh, when they tried to do the same and follow them. They'd seen it all. Oh, my goodness. What they had become, like those who complain of adversity. And um, Numbers 11.4 said uh, the rabble. I like that word, except mm, sometimes I think maybe I can be found there. Maybe you can, too. The rabble uh, who were among them had greedy desires. Hmm. And then, pardon me, and then it also said, also the sons of Israel wept again and said out loud, can you think of the drama that would have been unfolding there? Who will give us meat to eat? 11.5 says, we remember the fish which we used to eat free in Egypt while they were under horrible slavery and bondage. But the, but the fish was free. And we had cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. But now our appetite is gone. There's nothing at all to look at except this manna. Oh, I can imagine God hearing that. By the way, it was manna from heaven. Yeah. And you know, girls, sometimes we have, uh, I have, I know some of you probably too, have greedy desires. Greedy. Wow. I want my way. I want uh, my agenda done. Uh, I want it in my timing. And um, I think of it as, and while I was working on this lesson um, with the agenda of one day last week, okay, I'm going to get this done, <clears throat> get this organized. And um, a greedy desire can be an interruption in my day's agenda. Uh -huh. And it's taking my time and I'm impatient. And the, the particular day that I had set aside, the agenda took most, the interruption took most of the day. <clears throat> Pardon me. But God had another plan. For the use of that my time that day and i was to finish the lesson another day but my attitude had become like those who complain of adversity and um, i think god orchestrates our days with a lot of adversity for a couple of really good reasons on from his standpoint but let's continue <clears throat> pardon me with numbers 11 starting at verse 10. now moses so um this is about the people who had become like those who complain uh, of adversity. And it's also about Moses and girls. It's also about us too. Numbers 11, verse 10. Now Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, each man at the doorway of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly and Moses was displeased. So in verse 11, Moses said to the Lord, why have you been so hard on um, me, your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all this people on me? Was that true? I don't think so. He was asked to lead. And it was a, it, an incredible assignment that Moses given was given. But it was all the burden laid on him? Hmm. You girls ever feel this way? Verse 12, 
was it I who conceived all this people? This is Moses speaking to the Lord. Was it I who brought them forth that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing infant to the land which you swore to their fathers? Verse 13, where am I to get meat for all this people? And um, I believe the statistics would be, have been um, one and a half million adults. And then of course, and um, perhaps more, and of course the children. This was a big assignment Moses was given. And girls, sometimes God gives us big assignments also. Of course, in my mind, they don't compare for, for most of us in general. But verse 13, where am I to get meat for all this people? For they weep before me saying, give us meat that we may eat. I alone am not able to carry this people because it's, it's too burdensome for me. So if you're gonna deal thus with me, please kill me at once. If I've found favor in your sight, do not let me see my wretchedness. Um, I think we all would agree that Moses was depressed. Yeah, this was depressing. Again, these people had seen incredible miracles. And um, yes, he was depressed to the point of despair when you're talking about, you just take my life. And I wanted to include in the lesson today, remember the five steps of despair. Girls, no matter what your issue is, and we all have them, sometimes we have multiple issues all at the same time. Um, and your um, issue that you're depressed about is perhaps it's the state of your marriage. Maybe it's a health issue, a health issue of one of your children. Maybe it's a difficulty with one or more of your children. Uh, finances, many, many different. Those are just a couple of issues. So we all have a disappointment. Things are not going according to our agenda on our timing. And we have the opportunity at that point to um, bring it to the Lord and allow him to help us work through it. Or if not, we move to from disappointment to discouragement. And again, we have opportunity to take it to the Lord. And if not, from there, it moves into depression. And from there, it, it continues into being despondent. And then the last place is this the step is into despair and that's really a place of uh, feeling like you have no hope and girls I think there's a point in our lives for all of us maybe more than once in our life where we we get to the point of despair and maybe that's the point where God can work but um, perhaps we don't need to get to that point for some things, but again, some some trials are on steroids, right? Some difficulties are at that level, but God means to help us all along the way. So back to Moses and what were the causes of his depression? Because there are things that are happening. Um, sometimes they're outside of us. Sometimes they're our own heart issues. So one of the things I noted in verse 10, he was listening to those um, around him dishonor God. And, um, and again, he was assigned to lead them out. And, you know, regarding to listening to people around us dishonor God, you know, we have no choice. The family that the Lord allows us to be born into, because that can be a source of great disappointment. Uh, or I think also for Moses, he was taking responsibility that wasn't his. You know, you've laid the burden of all these people on me. God never, 
he doesn't equip us. That's really his job. Um, so what were the results of his depression? Verse 11, Moses blamed God for this affliction. Wow, I so love the Bible because it includes um, the good points that scripture says that um, Moses was the meekest man who ever lived, I believe is how it's worded. And here we see Moses out loud blaming God. I love that it includes the whole person. We get to see that we are like them very much. Um, the results of his depression, he was angry. He was anxious. He was impatient. Uh, you've again laid the burden on me, Lord. Verse 14, he was overwhelmed. And he finally got to the point where he recognized his inability to handle the situation alone. And um, in verse 14, 15, um, you know, to the point of despair, Lord, just take my life. I, I don't want to see my wretchedness. I don't want anybody to see my level of wretchedness. So then we can talk about some solutions that are offered in scripture here that we can read about. And I include you, there are other places where Moses are talked about. I can think of one in um, the Hall of Fame in Hebrews. Uh, I believe Moses is listed there too. And that's not the only place uh, he's in the New Testament but um, I hope you'll do some more homework. Numbers 11, 16. So this is God's solution for the um, depression. God said, gather 70 elders and that they may help you bear, bear, bear the burden. You know, trusted leaders will help you do this, Moses. And also in verse 18, God said, tell the people to consecrate themselves. And that would be an example, a comparison for us today would be um, to consecrate yourself as you're set aside for God's purpose. And that's our God's purpose for us as believers is to glorify him. And we have to come alongside um, alone and spend time with him and read his word uh, in order to um, get our minds together and our feelings uh, for and for God to minister to us. And then in verse 20, God communicated to the people uh, through Moses that they had rejected him by saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? And, and um, then in verse 23, uh, he addresses, God the Father addresses Moses and says, is the Lord's power limited, Moses? Now you will see whether my word will come true for you or not. Now you will see yet one more opportunity of visual working of God that Moses and the people got to see. So in conclusion, girls, for um, looking at Moses, and again, these are just some highlights that I saw. We must um, read our Bible. We must learn to read it. And um, I so appreciate what Jennifer said last week, some points on, we know you girls are very busy with young children and the responsibilities you have to raise them and train them and manage a home. It's a lot. Wherever you are in your studying of the word, um, begin, just begin and start to apply it. She gave a great example last week of how to do it just with one verse. And we, we just, we want to encourage you because again, that's where the hope is. Um, so we must read our Bible. It was written for our instruction. We all need to be instruct, instructed. And I was thinking about being feeling overwhelmed in First um, Peter 5, near the end of the chapter. It says, I love this uh, couple scriptures here together. All of you clothe yourselves with humility. Imagine living a life 
where you lived every day clothed with God's humility. Beautiful. Four, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There's a re another reason, huh? Wow, he gives grace to the humble. And then it says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you at the proper time. Um, comma, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. There's some amazing instruction giving for us for how to deal with these situations that are overwhelming. And uh, there are days when I feel overwhelmed. There are days when you feel overwhelmed. And what can we do with it? Go back and clothe ourselves with humility. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And I think that means um, what came to mind was uh, the circumstances you are in today that you're overwhelmed with. So remember that, that they had become people uh, like the people who complain about adversity. And you know what? It, the grumbling and complaining did not end there. I encourage you to read on. It's very eye-opening. In chapter 12, Miriam and Aaron, who were um, part of motor, uh, Moses' leadership team, they spoke out publicly against Moses, and God addressed it immediately with them, especially Miriam. I don't know if she took the leadership role, in, or I, it doesn't really say why, um, but anyway, you know, girls, pray for your husband, the, the head of your home. Pray for your pastor, you know, pray for Jennifer and the leadership of Christown. You know, these are, it may, you know, look easy to you on the outside. These are not easy things, and it's a lot of responsibility they have. We need to be praying for them daily. Um, so uh, the complaining that continued, chapter 14, and this is in Numbers, um, 14.2, all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, stating they wished they had died in Israel. On in that verse, uh, complaining, when you look it up in the concordance, they murmured and growled audibly. That's how God looks at this. It's, it's a serious thing. Well, Philippians 2, 14 to 15 has some um, additional insight on this topic. And I was given this verse because, or reminded of this verse, because it was pointed out to me that I have quite a habit of grumbling and complaining. Mm -hmm. And here's the scripture if you don't know it do everything. And what does everything mean? It means everything without grumbling or complaining, which is arguing too. Pay attention, girls, if this is an issue, a habit that you've allowed yourself to become like those people who uh, complain about adversity. And it's a hard issue. And it's uh, arguing with others. Uh, you know, are you arguing with your husband in your heart and mind? Are you arguing with God out loud? I've caught myself doing this. And scripture says, do everything without grumbling or complaining so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, comma, children of God. And that's how God sees us. If we're his children, remember, we're clothed in Christ's righteousness when we're born again, it says in Corinthians. He, the father, made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness 
of God in him. When God looks at his children, he sees Christ's righteousness. That's why his life that he lived, blameless and innocent, is so important. That's how God views us as his children. Go back to this scripture. Do everything without grumbling or complaining so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights holding forth the word of truth. And, you know, girls, whether your um, light is just a little uh, like um, a night light, you know, that's on in the middle of the day, uh, if Christ is in you, that light is there. And um, to unbelievers, we are light, and they may or may not like that light, and that's not really important. And I think we focus too much on living in the midst of a crooked or perverse generation, and maybe we do because it's getting more crooked and more perverse every day. I don't know, but this is the truth. We are to do everything without grumbling and complaining, and it means we have to bring the issues to the Lord, our heart issues to him to help him work through it. We need, we didn't, can't just stop this. That's not going to work. And I know because I've tried it. So my testimony on this topic is I'm learning. I can be more light, um, more of a reflection uh, accurately of Jesus Christ, not by preaching to those around me, but, and sometimes the Lord does open up the opportunity to share scripture. Um, but it's not by preaching. It's through the process of slowing down to realize the whole truth that Christ lives in me. And if you're born again, scripture says he lives in you also. He has the ability to live in me without grumbling and complaining. And I think that's why it's recorded so many times in the New Testament, uh, in the gospels that Jesus went alone. Uh, he was praying. Jesus, the son of God, had to do that. We have to do this. He modeled it for us. And just um, back to um, being in Christ, just this Sunday, the pastor commented that that is the most often repeated phrase in the New Testament. It's the most prevalent. It's really important, girls. And um, I want to read to you a portion of uh, scripture as an example. And this is just one. And I hope you will... Um, be looking for this most often repeated phrase in Christ in scripture because it's true. We are in Christ. And this is Ephesians chapter one, starting at verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, this is verse seven, still on chapter one of Ephesians, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us, in all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heaven and things in the earth. 
verse 11, also we've obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13 also starts out with in him. Girls, I hope you'll go home and um, begin to be looking for this most often quoted phrase in Christ because we need to understand and learn how to walk in him. And we can, you know, I can't do everything and neither can you. I can't even do everything on my own to-do list and neither can you. I can't meet everyone's expectations of me, but with his power and him living in me, I can do the assignment he's given me to do today, even with his time frame and his plan and his interruptions. And how do we know what the assignment is? Well, one of the ways is Titus 2, 3 through 5. It's the first, and I think it's the most comprehensive place for us to start. And it's about the home. One of the hardest places, huh? It's the real deal there. It just is. So that's a little bit about um, Moses and the, um, the people who became like those who complain about adversity. So back to our worksheet. <clears throat> Let's turn together to Psalm 73. Psalm 73, and uh, um, I'll let you, I encourage you to listen for um, what were the causes of the psalmist's depression and what were the results and then um, solutions that we hear in the scripture. And I'm sorry, I don't have Linda Hernandez or um, my sweet Crystal to read uh, today. I'll read it for you. So Psalm 73. A psalm of Asaph. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And again, as um, believers, God, we are pure in heart. And also he gives us the assignment to keep a chaste heart. So verse two, psalmist is speaking about himself. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped because I was envious of the arrogant. And I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no pains in their death, and their body is fat, and they are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. Their pride is their necklace. The garment of violence covers them. Their eye bulges from fatness. The imaginations of their heart run riot. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from on high. They have set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue parades through the earth. Kind of reminds you of Romans chapter one, doesn't it? Um, then verse 11, they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge with the most high? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They have increased in wealth. And then the psalmist begins to speak about his own heart. Surely in vain, I have kept my heart pure and wash my hands in innocence, for I have been stricken all day long and chastened every morning. And you know, girls, the New Testament tells us um, that God chastens his children. He trains them just like you chasten those children. If you want children that you want to be with when they're adults, you, you train them. And sometimes punishment is involved, um, but it's out of love. That's the motivation. Back to this Psalm 73, verse 15. 
if I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. Verse 16, here's the key for the solution. The answers, when I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. Until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. How they are destroyed in a moment. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Like a dream when one awakens. Oh Lord, when aroused, you will despise their form. Verse 21, when my heart was embittered and I was pierced within, I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You've taken hold of my right hand. With your counsel, you will guide me and afterward receive me to glory. Verse 25, love this verse. Whom have I in heaven but you? And beside you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge. Then I may tell of all of your, your works. This is an amazing psalm, girls. The causes of the psalmist's depression. A few that I saw, he mentioned that unbelievers are prosperous. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like they have no troubles in life. They are arrogant, prideful violent they mock god and i love that uh, the way it's worded their tongues parade the earth there's a description for you uh he was feeling pretty pitiful wasn't he you girls ever feel that way yes sometimes i do too and i heard someone say recently only two come to our pity party especially if you allow yourself to develop into a bad habit of having lots of pity parties at some point, you just find two people there, the adversary of our soul and us, something to think about. So Psalm 73, he was um, expressing a lot of self-pity. Uh, and in verse 13, in vain, uh, basically, um, being a Christian, it's vanity, Lord. What's the, what's the purpose? You know, I've been stricken all day long and chastened every morning. You girls feel this way there are times, I know. And what are the results? Bitterness and also envying. You begin to envy their lives, which is kind of a dangerous place. And some of the solutions that God helps us in verse 16, when I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. I began to, I think he realized his thinking was uh, troubling. In other words, uh, when I got serious about, he got serious about his emotions and um, the need to understand and that he was upset. And girls, we live through upsetting things. We do. There's no doubt about it. And I love verse 17. He says, until I came into the sanctuary of God. And remember, girls, New Testament believers, we have amazing, amazing gifts. All God's word, Holy Spirit living in us. Christ dwelling in us and never will never leave us or forsake us and it's an amazing amazing thing that we have and I think that's the place of sanctuary and also we have a family of believers our people that love the Lord and love you uh, sometimes we need each other's help with these things 
in verse 25. Here's a, a verse to med uh, memorize and meditate. <clears throat> uh, whom have I in heaven but you, and on earth beside you, I desire none. And I think that's the point we, the priority we need to get to as Christians, that you are my one desire, the one thing I must have above. And the, these others uh, really aren't necessary. They make life easier. They make relationships better. But our desire really is about him and our relationship with him. Um, verse 28. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge. And um, again, the purpose that we are to tell others of his works. How do we make God our refuge? Well, girls, reading, praying, meditating, surrendering, you know, giving up my yielding to his plan. Like the day I gave that example I, I gave it up and I'm so glad I did because I had a, an amazing opportunity at the, with um, the three workers that were here to plant a tree and at the end of it to give them a gospel tract and versus if I'd continued in my own way would not have been the same. Uh, besides, I also learned a lot. So, so far we've learned some causes of depression. And again, this is just a basic uh, lesson about it today and things we've seen you know, um, anxiety anger uh, being and feeling overwhelmed impatience self-pity and um, I've said to the girls in second hour class uh, that recently that I have realized recently that I am a full-time job managing me is a full-time job and for myself, I've spent most of my adult life trying to change people around me, you know, using what I thought were godly methods, God's word or whatever. That is not our job. Praise God. I am a full-time job for me to manage and you, every Christian has the same uh, full-time job. And I think it takes all of us engaged with the Lord in order to do that. Also, um, there are situations that help us focus um, our hearts, and uh, they also bring up some other issues uh, related to depression that might be a cause, or sometimes, it, well, yeah, I would say cause. Uh, one might be expecting reciprocity from our husbands, our husband, I only have one, hoping you only have one too, uh -huh. Expect, expecting reciprocity from him. You know, remember back to the creation account. This is God's the first institution. At the very beginning, he set up one man, one woman uh, with a plan that it is to be for um, the duration of our life together. And uh, thinking about creation, God said, God spoke it, and then he said it was good. And the, it was created. It was good. It was good. And God said it was good. And then... He got to the end and Adam was alone and that was not good. It is not good for man to be alone. I will create a helper suited to him. I love that. Notice it says helper and suited to him. We are each individually to be our husband's helper. And I always add not his director because I've um, been in that role for way too long. And the fruit that's born out of that is not a good thing. 
I used to be my husband's DOE, director of everything. Actually, I was probably the family's DOE. I uh, could have been the world's DOE for all, for that matter. And I think they call them, what's the term now? Karens, and it's not a good thing. And I heard recently that after God introduced Eve to Adam, and basically it would have been, uh, what do they call it? Um, the first, it's not viewing, but it's where the groom sees his bride for the first time, right? And think, I mean, I get shivers thinking about it when um, God brought Eve to Adam and he had fashioned Eve. And I mean, it's, he, it, wow, is what Adam said. It, I think Eve took his breath away. And you know, girls, we all do, especially when we're walking in God's ways. Yeah, it was amazing. This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And then I heard this real, uh, illustration and then God handed Eve a shovel. <laughs> I don't particularly care for that illustration, but you know, girls, I think it's kind of accurate because work was also instituted before the fall. Work is a good thing. Um, but anyway, and uh, yeah, hard work is involved with shovels, right? So uh, expect our husband's with uh, strings attached, expecting, ex expecting uh, certain things back, certain responses back from him. And if we don't receive it, uh, we have certain responses to that too, don't we? And I can assure you, mine are often not God's ways. They are not. And um, as a result of my uh, allowing myself get, getting into that mindset or staying in that mindset, you know, I've experienced depression. It's like, that is not his assignment. My assignment is to um, be in Christ, working out uh, the direction and instructions he'd get, he's given me in scripture. He's given each one of us. So I like to think about it if, as depression points to um, the need, the valid need, not the felt need, but a valid need for each of us individually. And for us as women, for many times, it's a uh, sound mind. It's how we're thinking. It's not always, it's other things too, but I think this is a big one. And it's about, uh, we are feeling rather than thinking. And, you know, I, he I heard this statement recently, our culture is allowing feelings to drive the bus. Girls, it's scary. Where does the bus end up? Well, over the cliff, it's not a good thing. So that brings me to a valid need that I have, that you have as godly women to be sober, sound-minded. And I'd like to memorize the definition. I encourage you to do it because I need to think about it. And it's to recall to one's senses, to make sane, to cultivate sound judgment. And one of our um, scriptures that we apply to this is 10, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. And this is a very short paraphrase. Learn how to take every thought captive to the obedience of God to the obedience of Christ. That's about the word and how to bring my heart to that point. And we've got to work through it. This is not something that happens on autopilot. And it's so much I think about our relationship with the Lord. Um, uh, there are other causes for depression. Uh, social media is a big one. Girls, when we're on social media, it results in comparing our lives, our looks, our husbands, our kids. And we are never to compare the, what ha, God has given us is our gifts and our assignments. And um, also what, in social media, what we're comparing ourselves is to a, an illusion in many, I think a lot of the time. 
So um, as far as other causes or results, maybe both for depression, bitterness, unforgiveness, all signal there's a valid need again uh, for sound mind and other things too. And you know, girl, salvation is not just forgiveness from the penalty of our sin. And I don't diminish that in any way. It took Christ's death on the cross and his um, sinless life that his sinless life qualified him that he could hang on the cross and pay the penalty for our rebellion towards God. Um, I don't diminish that, but also salvation is that through regeneration, through being uh, born again, we are born again. We are new creatures in Christ. We have a new nature. We are adopted, dearly beloved children. And I know you mamas in the room and grandmas know there's a lot of effort needed to raise your babes to adulthood for us to compare it is uh, for God to raise us to maturity. Same for believers. And um, remember Romans 15 verse 4. Um, the words written for our instructions. Girls, I hope you'll read it and become every day more and more a student of the word. On the uh, worksheet there that's entitled People of the Bible Who've Experienced Depression, please add to this list some suggestions you might want to add. Sarah, I believe she's the woman that um, the most is recorded in scripture about is Sarah. Um, Hannah is another one. Ruth is a really good one. Of course, Jesus Christ, and I don't leave him last, but um, we're talking about uh, people and then the Apostle Paul. And I want to end with this uh, scripture, uh, and you, uh, I'll just repeat it, uh, the reference to it, because I think I'm out of time. Second uh, Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. Go and read that, girls. Read it like Linda Hernandez, Hernandez would read it for us. It's amazing. And maybe Dee Dee can do that when she gives the um, announcements. Anyway, girls, I hope this is an encouragement to you. Um, I didn't address uh, clinical depression at all. And all I have to say about that is a pastor that I dearly love, he pastored for over 35 or 40 years. And uh, even on that topic, he says, um, there's a spiritual component even to that. So uh, I'll end that with you girls. Thank you so much for letting me come and share with you today. I love you girls. And um, I just keep inviting people to Christown and um, love the Lord. Take care. See you soon. Bye-bye.